Acts chapter 6 and verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And our second reading is Acts 7, verse 54, 8-3. The stoning of Stephen. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. The church persecuted and scattered. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray um, that, that we can just spend time in this really tricky passage uh, tonight and that God would speak to us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you um, that you give us your word. And we pray that tonight you would speak to each of us individually and collectively. Help us as we deal with this tricky passage. But we thank you that all scripture is God breathed. And Lord, we know that, that you have uh, something for each of us tonight. Help us to see you, help us to, to meet with you. I pray you'd pour out your spirit on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight, as you can tell, we're back in the book of Acts. And last Sunday morning, um, I preached on um, the first passage that we read tonight. Um, and so let me recap, if you weren't here, so you, you like have a set a kind of clue what's going on. And so Stephen, in the first part of uh, Acts 6, had been chosen to... Um, create a fair environment for food to be distributed um, to those in need in what was quite a diverse community in Jerusalem. And he was an administrator or a bookkeeper, and 
What do we know about him? Well, in verse 8, it says that he was a man full of grace, full of power, and performed great wonders and signs among the people. And elsewhere, we read that he was full of faith and wisdom and of the Holy Spirit. It's a pretty good biography, isn't it? A pretty good um, thing for people to say of you. And Stephen was doing amazing things. He was doing it in the power of the Spirit, but there was opposition that arose against him from the Jewish religious elite. They felt that the two big pillars of their faith were being attacked, their law and their temple. And when Stephen spoke about Jesus fulfilling the law and replacing the temple by himself, coming to dwell among the people, he was accused of blasphemy. And yet, despite speaking the truth and articulating himself really clearly, opposition resorted to lying and secretly scheming to influence public opinion against him. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen showed impeccable character. So much so that when he was seized, the people saw the face of an angel. He was so full of the confidence of God, it radiated out of him. The peace and the hope that was deep within was pouring out in front of a watching world. And so Stephen's then placed on trial and is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he gives this passionate defense of his faith in Christ, the one that was crucified by them, and the truth of how God's people continued to reject the one who came to save them. And so we pick it up back in, or further on in Acts chapter 7, and that's where we're going to be spending our time this evening. And we read in verse 54 of Acts chapter 7, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. This speech that we actually didn't read because it's absolutely mammoth, um, it angered the Sanhedrin so much. They had so much rage towards Stephen, so much resentment that they gnashed their teeth. How angry must you be to gnash your teeth? Like, it doesn't just happen, does it? And rather than the composure we might expect of, of leaders... We see their emotions overwhelm them because Stephen had struck a nerve with the truth. For them, this was the, the straw that broke the camel's back and they let it show in this really aggressive way. But verse 55 and verse 56, Stephen reacts in an entirely different way. We read, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And we see again this, this courage, this faith, this wisdom given to him by the Holy Spirit. And Stephen sees the heavens open. Now, I'm not sure what Stephen, like how Stephen saw the heavens open. Maybe it was a, a, a personal vision or some sort of window or, or glimpse into heaven itself. But Stephen was able to visualize something much greater than the circumstances that he was currently in. And what we do read is that Stephen saw Jesus, the Son of Man, that title that Jesus gives himself, standing at the right hand of God. And I think there's something hugely significant about the fact that Jesus was standing. Because so often we read that Jesus is sitting in heaven, 
seated at the right hand of God. That's what we read quite often, isn't it? And, but why, why does Stephen see him standing? Well, I think Jesus is standing, firstly, in, in solidarity with Stephen. He sees Stephen standing up for him. And Jesus stands up for him. And that's the first point that I want to make tonight is that if you stand up for Jesus, Jesus will stand up for you. Jesus is standing in heaven, secondly, I think, because he's pleading the case with God the Father on Stephen's behalf. Matthew 10 says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. And this is a promise I think that all of us can hold on to as we confess Jesus in our conversations and the way that we live our lives. If we stand up for Jesus, he will stand up for us. And I think this, this gives Stephen huge confidence. Courage to endure whatever was thrown at him because he knew that Jesus saw him, was with him and was fighting for him in heaven. Stephen knew that whatever happened to him in this life, he would be welcomed home when the time came for him to die. And so you and I, Whatever, whatever we face can have the confidence that Jesus will stand up for us if we stand up for him. And when Stephen said that Jesus was standing at the right hand of God, the Sanhedrin went absolutely ballistic. They were so irate. It was too much for them to bear, and so they like covered their ears. I, don't, there's a, I couldn't think of the film, but there's a film where like, it might be like Elf or something, um, or I'm maybe completely off where um, someone's saying something to this character in the film he doesn't like, and he's like, it's probably like um, Jim Carrey. That's, that's, maybe it's like Liar Liar or something. Um, people are nodding at me as if like, I think they know the film. Um, anyway, um, that's what I think they were like, just plugging their ears. They don't want to hear what's going on. And they completely lost their heads. Yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Their reaction was quick, and it was callous, it was, cor it was corporate, and it was cruel. And when Jesus, before the same religious group of men, declared that he would sit at the right hand of God, they had the same violent reaction towards him. And that was the thing that sealed his death as a blasphemer. And Stephen would have been well aware that, he, that the words that he said would provoke a similar response. He's not under any illusions, let's be honest. But yet he was willing to speak the truth about who Jesus was despite the consequences. He knew he was following in the footsteps of Jesus. And he knew that being a disciple was going to come at a cost. He knew it wasn't going to be an easy ride, and he too paid the ultimate price. And this, this out-of-control mob had, who had been screaming at the top of their lungs to drown out the truth, then began to stone Stephen, a horrific way to be put to death. It's not like some lethal injection that you don't really know that much about, 
or a firing squad that gets it over and done with really, really quickly. I'm not trying to downplay those by any means, but stoning, awful. It's a really active and concerted effort to end someone's life and inflict a lot of pain in the process. And the, an author called Frederick Bruckner puts it like this. Stoning somebody to death, even somebody as young, as healthy as Stephen, is not easy. You do not get the job done with the first few rocks and broken bottles. And even after that, even after you get the man down, it is a long, hot business. To prepare themselves for the workout, they stripped to the waist and got somebody to keep an eye on their things till they were through. The man they got was a fire-breathing young arch-conservative Jew named Saul, who was there because he thoroughly approved of what they were doing. And it shows the level of anger that Stephen's opposition felt towards him and the person that he followed. Conversely, it shows, I think, the, the level of faith and hope that Stephen had in Jesus. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit enabled him to endure such a difficult and awful punishment. But I think Stephen did more than just endure this. How he handled it, how he handled being stoned, tells you something about his character and his confidence. Verse 59, read with me. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Anyone, does that sound familiar to anyone? I think it, it echoes the words of Jesus as he died on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then verse 60, then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Sound familiar again? Echoing Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Stephen displayed the same forgiving attitude that Jesus had on the cross. And he made these requests loudly and publicly. And I, I guarantee that if I was in that situation, being stoned as a, a follower of Christ, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be asking for their forgiveness. I reckon I'd be a bit more keen on justice in that moment. A bit more keen for the suffering to stop, right? Rather than praying for mercy for the people who are doing me harm. But see, Stephen lived like Jesus. This is my second point. Stephen lived like Jesus and he died like Jesus. The way that Stephen lived and the words that he spoke just looked like Jesus in the good times and the bad. Stephen identified with Jesus both in his life and his death. And we read that Stephen fell asleep, describing his death as compassionately as possible. He didn't like just go for, go for a kip in the corner. But this is a, a, a set of, a kind of way of portraying death that takes this a little bit of the harshness away. It conveys the idea that for Stephen, it wasn't the end. Death was not the end of his story and that he would wake up in the presence of Jesus, the one who he called Lord and testified about. And despite Stephen's death, his, his legacy lives on. 
the message that he gave would never die. As I was writing this talk, um, I had a bit of Spotify on the background. Anyone like listening to music when they do work? It's just Dwayne, Dwayne and Debbie. Love that. Bit of cheeky Spotify. Um, and uh, I'm a big country music fan. Bit, bit niche, isn't it? Um, but uh, love, a, love a bit of country music. And one of my favorite artists, Luke Combs, came on as I was writing this talk about Stephen. Um, and this song actually just really resonates with a lot of Stephen's story. Um, and a lot about the legacy that we leave behind. That even though we die, the way that we've lived our lives and the things that we say live on. And so I'm going to um, get the song on the screen and just maybe use it as an opportunity to, to think through the legacy that, that you might leave, the legacy that Stephen's left um, when we're no longer here. Um, so let maybe just use the words to reflect. Uh, take them in. It's going to appear on the screen. in what you leave behind. I will, but my song will never die. Obviously, Luke Combs is singing about his music career, but he's got something a bit deeper. He realizes that we're not going to be around forever, and what we leave behind is so important. And I think that's something that Stephen really got. His legacy and what he left behind was huge. The slight difference, though, is that Luke Combs' song says it ain't about the leaving. But I think in the life of Stephen, we, we realize it, it actually is about the leaving as well. It's not just about what we leave behind, but it's how we leave it behind. And I wonder what legacy you will leave behind as you think about, sometimes, sometimes I think about that, like what, what would people say of me when I'm gone? What will people say at my funeral? And I'd be like, Johnny, that's mega morbid. Um, can you not just be like thinking about what you're going to eat for breakfast or something? 
But actually, in the big things of life, what we leave behind is so important. And when Stephen left behind, or what Stephen left behind was a life story that became a huge moment in the church. In Stephen falling asleep, he woke up the church. That's my final point. When Stephen fell asleep, he woke up the church. At first, he woke up Saul to begin destroying the church, imprisoning believers for faith in Christ. And then you remember what happens? Saul becomes Paul after he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Paul, after that conversion, is really quick to point back. I think he remembers that he was the one who endorsed the killing of Stephen. And I think that would have played on Paul's mind as he shared the gospel in his missionary journeys. As without the witness of Stephen, where might Saul have been? And I think that's important for us to remember. What legacy is our witness going to leave? What difference will we make in our relationships? Stephen received the power of the Holy Spirit and was, was known as the, often the first martyr. And martyr meaning witness, really. However, I think it wasn't Stephen's death that made him a martyr, but rather the way that he lived. And death simply just revealed him as a martyr. Someone who's willing to count the cost. And it reminds me, just as I close, it reminds me of this little cross I used to cycle past in the road in Oxford. It was probably about that big, just this little few bricks in what a kind of area with shops and cafes. And you, you would often not even really notice it unless you cycled over it. And this cross was a memorial to three blokes, Thomas Cranmer, Nicholas Ridley, and Hugh Latimer. They were actually bishops who were martyred for upholding scripture in the face of real public opposition, many of whom were within the church. And Latimer um, is reported to have said these words before being burned at the stake, which is another awful way to, to die. And he said this, be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light a candle by God's grace in England that shall never be put out. And there have been to this day Christians who share similar experiences to Stephen and in their life and death leave a legacy that awakens the church in their nation. We see it, we're seeing it across the world. The church has grown massively in countries like Iran because people are counting the cost. I wonder, will you leave a legacy just like Stephen? that causes people to see Jesus in you, that awakens the church, that awakens people around you to see Jesus? Will the words that you speak, even in times of trial, 
draw people to Jesus. There could be someone like Saul in your life who's maybe not trying to kill you, but is a real difficult individual, actually really getting under your skin, making your life actually quite difficult. What would it be like to pray for them, that they meet Jesus? Or maybe there's that person that just seems so far away from, from knowing Jesus that is humanly possible. Let's be praying for those people because they too could become a hugely influential person in the church. Let's be praying for those people in our lives, for friends and for family who are far off from knowing Jesus. Stephen was no superman, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit, was given this confidence to speak of Christ, even in the face of people gnashing their teeth at him and ultimately killing him. He was able to stand up for Jesus because he knew that Jesus would stand up for him. Why don't you stand as we pray? As we respond to, to this incredible story of someone who was filled with the Spirit, willing to give their life for Jesus. So we're just going to take this moment to invite the Holy Spirit to, to fill us. As the band comes up, we just say, come Holy Spirit. We invite you to, to come and dwell within us. Fill us in the same way that you filled Stephen. Thank you, that, Lord Jesus, that we know that if we stand up for you, you will stand up for us.